everyone and welcome to Previously in the Multiverse. Oh, I didn't say that properly. I usually go Previously in the Multiverse. Like, I want to level with you guys. I'm tired today. I had a lot of sleep. It's been a weird sleeping pattern and that's the first he's, mistake. Uh, I th- yeah, he, he's been all over it for a few days. I, I thought I thought I was I was good to go and I made a mistake in the first sentence. So we're just going to have to live with that and move on with our lives. So on today's show, this is of course DC Comics Podcast. We, uh, we talk about old DC comics on the show. We're working our way through a bunch of different runs. Uh, it's a sister, it's a companion show, if you will, to comics from the multiverse, which has been on a little hiatus recently because there's been no new comic books. All that's about to come to an end. Uh, but we have been doing quarantine in the multiverse in the meantime, which is basically just me, Connor, and Matt getting together and talking about nonsense for two to three hours. Uh, but coming up on today's show, uh, we're going to be looking at Detective Comics 572, next part of our uh, post-crisis Batman continuity uh notable issue here as well this was an anniversary issue uh, not in number obviously but in years it was a as a anniversary of detective comics uh, we got wonder woman issue 9 from the azarello run we got the flash 68 from mark wage run we got birds of prey black canary batgirl issue one the final one shot before we actually get to the the proper ongoing series from chuck dixon's back uh birds of prey run sorry is it Cause that was interesting to me because dc universe was suggesting various other one shots for me that were like hey maybe you should read this next uh, unless I'm forgetting that the next trade starts with another one shot or something like that, I, I I think it just starts with issue one. I could be wrong. That's interesting to me. That could just be DC Universal having some monkey uh, coding. It could be, yeah. Uh, and then we got GSE issue eight, uh, John G's run, of course. Uh, we got Adventures of Superman five eight three, the next part in the Emperor Joker storyline. And we have Batgirl issue five uh, from Brian Hugh Miller. That's the Stephanie Brown Batgirl run. So that is what we've got today uh, to talk about. And I will try and survive through this episode. We'll see if I make it at another end. Uh, but we're going to start with Detective Comics 572. And I love I love sitting down and finding out that it's going to be a 60-page book when I thought it was going to be 22. Hey, I uh, warned you. It's always, always a good time. Well, I mean, I know technically you warned me, but I'm counting that moment as the same thing. Yeah, but you you didn't have the actual fear of getting halfway through and going, hang on a second, this this feels like it should be the end, but somehow it's not. Didn't the fact that it said chapter one at the start not throw you, throw you no, off? No, it did, because there was chapter one and chapter two, and then there was the interlude, shall we call it, I think? <laughs> interlude. I, uh, no, I think there was three chapters in the interlude, because there was a Plastic Man story before the, the, the flashback with Sherlock Holmes. Yes, you might be right. So it, it was when we got to that interlude that I went, okay, I'm ready for this to be done now. Not that it's bad, but just like in terms of page count, I'm like, oh, oh, there's still like half the issues to go. It's a weird one because it's a, it's, it's a, I mean, I say it's an anthology. They're actually all connected. It's, it's technically one big story just kind of split into chapters, but uh, where it's focusing on various detectives of DC's past with Slam Bradley kind of being the main focus. But you obviously got Batman and Robin running around, uh, Plastic Man shows up, and then eventually, despite the fact that he should be, if he's alive, 140 or whatever he is, uh, Sherlock Holmes appears at the end, yeah. who's who's been yeah, guiding them this, this whole time. Because it's the 50th anniversary of Detective Comics, which yeah, is why they're, they're doing all the detectives. Yeah, which I guess makes sense. And it's just funny because we think of Detective Comics being eighty years old now, which I, you know, or you know, give or take, well, it is. It is, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's just weird to like be reading this. Go, oh yeah, that's right. That's just like thirty years ago. <laughs> this is about fifty years at this point. Yeah. So that is a bit on the strange side. Uh, so there's a lot of pages here. You know, normally I'll look through the book and I'll kind of. I'm going to do it a bit quicker with this one because we'll be here for an hour otherwise. Yeah, there's a lot of it. Um. But to sum it up, basically there's a, a hidden Sherlock Holmes story and we have the Descendant 
of Watson, like his great granddaughter or whatever. <laughs> and we have yeah. the descendant of Moriarty, who's after this hidden story. Uh, the intro with Sherlock Holmes is the hidden story that actually happened. Because obviously they're operating under the context that Sherlock Holmes was a real person and all the stories were written by Watson, right? Which is the fictional like context of Sherlock Holmes. Uh, so... Of course, there's going to be one nutcase in the comments. And it's like, what? They are all real. What are you talking about? Uh, we so, don't have any of those nutcases, do we? I, mean, I haven't noticed them yet, but it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, so yeah, you've got someone coming to slam Bradley as, as the PI, and it sort of starts the trail, and he's protecting someone, and uh, it leads to you know him looking around all these Irish pubs. It leads to going to London at the end after the wraparound, after the, the you know the. The, the chapter with Sherlock Holmes in the past, all that stuff. Um, the Sherlock Holmes story basically boils down, or the whole thing basically boils down to, is that there was an attempt uh, on the royal family. Uh, ba- the queen. Ba- yeah. Was it the queen back in the day as well? It's definitely the it, queen in present it, day. It was a queen then, yeah. yes. Uh, well, so the queen from the present day part at the end is recognisable. It was clearly based on the actual queen. Um <laughs> And basically, this this guy came to Sherlock Holmes and was like, "This is I'm forgetting these things. Like, you know, I've been told that I did this and did that, but I didn't." And Sherlock Holmes ultimately figures out that that's because there's a doppelganger who's replacing him. And the reason why someone's replacing him is because he's got access to the Queen during this ceremony, and they're going to try and assassinate the the Queen. Um, and at the end, in present day, Moriarty's going after the, the Queen because the Queen got this book uh, gifted to her by the British public because the British public are so thankful for the for the monarchy and the royal family. And... Sounds completely. Actually, I, I'm going to make. A, I was going to make a, a snarky comment, but I, I buy that happening. It... <laughs> there, there is a very a very sizable section of the public who does absolutely feel that way. I don't get it. I don't have anything against the royal family necessarily, but I don't necessarily give a shit either. Uh, Not either, but there is a very, like I said, there's a sizable amount of the public who absolutely would have this sort of reaction. So it actually feels mm. plausible. Now, as Mike W. Barr writing the story, I've not mentioned the artist because it's a different artist for each chapter. Uh, it tells you at the start of each chapter which one. Alan Davis has been doing a lot of the detective recently. That is on one or two of them, but uh, yeah. we have other artists in for some of the other ones. Um, I will say I did quite enjoy uh, the Plastic Man inclusion. Elongated Man. Sorry, Elongated Man. Oh, forgive me. Forgive me. See, I'm tired. I told you. Uh, but uh, a logate man, uh, he uh, like he's like spying on the 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 home of Sherlock Holmes. You know, the you know Baker Street and uh, waiting for someone to strike. Uh, I I enjoyed the uh, like the the actors and like sitting in there and Moriarty. Oh, see Moriarty, descendant of Moriarty coming in. And, uh, I mean, his name's still Moriarty. I mean, okay, technically, but you know what I mean, but he's not the Moriarty. Yes. He is called Moriarty. He is a Moriarty, but he's not the Moriarty. I, I, I that said, sounds accurate. I just said Moriarty more times in 60 seconds than I have in the last five years. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of a mixed bag in terms of, like, actually, because like, it's, it's not a very Batman issue, right? There's a, a, only a little bit of Batman. In this, this is 60 pages, and there's maybe about five pages of Batman. <laughs> Uh, there's a little bit more than that. Maybe it's, 10. It's, it's not far off, though. I mean, the, the, even in the present day section, so much of it's separate. And it's not so much that I need to have it be Batman, but, you know, we have Sam Bradley, and I get why we're using Sam Bradley, because it goes all the way back to the dawn of DC Comics. And I, I... But the Sherlock Holmes side of it is interesting to me. Like, I mean, are you aware of Sherlock Holmes in any way ever been associated with Detective Comics? Obviously, he's the world's greatest or most well-known detective, but... 
yeah, it, uh, I, I'm not familiar with any prior association, but it it makes sense. It doesn't feel like it's out of nowhere. It, it feels like it's a a sensible choice if you're going to use a, a famous detective, right? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. There's something to me that just like mixing in Sherlock Holmes and trying to like. Because obviously Sherlock Holmes is public domain, so anyone can use them, right? It's it's bizarre how long it's been public domain, isn't it? But what gets me is the, almost the hubris of trying to tie in this famous detective, like the most famous detective on the planet, essentially, and tie it into this comic book because of the title and because it's like focused on detectives. Uh, something about it just strikes me as odd when you could just make it about DC Comics detectives and it'd be fine. <laughs> You could, you could. I think the, the, the idea is supposed to be all these detectives in DC are kind of inspired by Sherlock Holmes and like you know the, the idea of, okay, when uh, most detectives in comics are kind of inspired by the Sherlock Holmes in a literary route. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And I, I think if this was called, if this was like a random thing celebrating Sherlock Holmes' 100th birthday or something like that, and it was like, hey, this is a Sherlock Holmes DC special and this was the plot, the exact same plot, I'd be like, fine. I think for the 50th anniversary of Detective Comics, I think Batman investigating an old case of Slam Bradley's would make way more sense from a, like a, like a, you know, like their own legacy point of view. Sure. Um, I'm not. Because they're celebrating Detective. They're celebrating Detective Comics here. They're not celebrating Detectives. No, I get that, but it, it I mean it works to introduce still you know some of their biggest detectives that they have. You know, we have a little bit of Slam, a bit of Batman, a bit of Elongate Man, you know. They're, they're all there and then throw in Sherlock Holmes just for good measure, I guess. Yeah. I mean it's kind of the focal point of the whole thing. Uh and then of course it ends with old man Sherlock Holmes who's still alive in nineteen eighty seven. Uh yep. sort of winking at them and being like, No, I'm going back off to Tibet, where I've been kept alive on a really healthy diet, and monks are all keeping me with fresh air and something or other. Jelly. It was it was it was a really really weird uh, ending. Yeah, if I'm honest. It's, it's bizarre, but um, <laughs> I, I kind of enjoyed the issue as a whole, though. It was a bit long winded, but it wasn't bad. Like I, I didn't I didn't have no, I didn't like. Comparing with the detectives been recently, this was kind of an interesting change of pace. It was still kind of the same style. When Batman and Robin were around, it still felt like Batman and Robin from the previous detective issues, for the most part. But it did feel like this was just going for a pulpy sort of one-off thing. And as a result, it did kind of work a little bit better. Uh, Mm. But, you know, 60 pages. (laughs) A little bit much. I'm not, you know, disagreeing with that. A little bit much. Uh, What are you giving it? Uh, I'll still give it a 7, I think. Yeah. I'll much slightly longer with a six point five. Like yeah, I think it's perfectly readable. But it was it's one of those things where like, okay, we've got we've got a list of comics to read, this is sixty pages. <laughs> like what and, and it's fine. It's not it's not like knocking me off my, my seat or anything like that. So there you go, that's Detective Comics. Um We'll move on to Wonder Woman issue nine, Brian Azzarello uh, writing with Tony Akins on the art. Uh Wonder Woman's there's a there's a wedding to happen. Uh, Hades wants to wants to marry Wonder Woman, and it's the others prepping to go into hell to try and save her, and like how they're going to do that. Uh, family members coming for the wedding, and whether or not it's a good idea, they're kind of speculating on that. Uh, ultimately, uh, Hades is worried that Wonder Woman's faking it, and it's all a ruse just to save Zola. So he wants her to prove it. Uh, 
And I, I kind of anticipated that he was going to end the issue with saying you're going to have to use the lasso. I want you to like say you love me and you're dedicated to me and devoted to me with the lasso. I did not actually expect it to be formed into a noose uh, for the cliffhanger page. Yeah, it's dark as shit. Yeah, so I, I, either you're telling the truth and that's okay, or you're lying and we'll let you hang uh, with the lasso of truth. That's uh, that's something. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's quite the moment to end on. I'll give it that. I guess it's a cliffhanger. I'll, I'll, I'll give it that. Um, you know, I, I I feel weird talking about this book now. It's like we've established that I'm just not that into it that much, and it's just fine. But <laughs> like... yeah, I'm, I'm just enjoying it. I think the art is obviously weaker here when it's as always when it's not Chang. Um... I'll, I'll be honest. There was a moment. See when they were sitting around the table, uh, like you know the, the other characters with Zola and uh, Hephaestus, Hephaestus uh, and all that. Yeah, you got Hermes in there and. Yeah. See, see when yeah. they're all sitting around the table, there was a couple of times where I actually had to stop and think about who Zola was, because I'm like, who's this person? Who's this? And part of it's because her hair just got a bit longer, because she'd been in hell for a while, but I swear, like, the, the artist here, and I think it's because she's pregnant, and they're trying to, like, not just puff up her belly, but also her face, but when it, the first couple of panels with her head, and her, it's much more rounder, and she's got, like, sort of, like, shaggy hair, I'm like, who's this? Who's this 12-year-old boy? No, I agree. Uh, th- that first close-up on her face, um, she's there, you know, with her fists, banging her fists on the table. Yes. Uh, she's in, like, you know, the, the tank top that she has been wearing anyway, but with the shaggy hair and the way it, she, she looks like a teenage boy, uh, like like having a bit of a tantrum. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. There, there's no gain around that. It's uh, a little bit rough. That uh, stuck out to me. I mean, that, for the most part, wasn't bad though. It was, but that that stuck out to me because I, I I genuinely got confused for a second as to who that was, and I'm like, oh, it's Zola. Yeah. Okay. There's there's the odd panel that is just particularly bad, but mostly it's just mostly it's not that bad. It's just not up to the stand of Chang. I mean, you it's, get to some stuff like you know the the the, the full page spread where they're arriving in hell, and. Hades has like invited all of his souls to the wedding, and it's like this like cathedral made out of souls. That's an interesting image. Now, admittedly, from our perspective, it's kind of an easy win because it doesn't have to really do much in the way of detail. It's all just these mostly white with a handful of just rough body figure shapes. Yeah, uh, but it does create an image. It is a stark, a striking image. So yeah, yeah, yeah fair, fair it play. It looks good. That does for sure. Um, I think it's some of the finer details where. Where Aikens doesn't quite stand up, uh, but there's there's a lot I like in this issue. Other than that, um, I think I do like the rest of the group kind of doing their plan. I think they they bounce off each other quite well. There's a lot of good dialogue back and forth between them. That's um, always you know fun to read. It's got a good pace to it. And then um, you know we got you know Wonder Woman in with uh, Persephone and you know tying with with her past and what Wonder Woman potentially has to look forward to. Uh, and then you got the other the images of the the the, uh, the eyes crying the the blood wine, like stuff like that. I'm like ah, oh, that just just gives it atmosphere that I really like. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, Hades design still kind of bothers me in a weird way. It feels a little bit try hard, I guess. <laughs> like no, it, no, absolutely. Hades is an edge lord, but that's kind of what his character is. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I it just it doesn't jive me. So some of the creative choices just don't jive me. Uh, but that's that's not new. It's just yeah, yeah, is what it is. Uh, all right. Okay. What what we we giving it then? 
Uh, I'm going to give this a straight seven. I think it was with the art bumped up a little bit, it would have been higher, but as it is. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll give it a six. It's fine. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm just not into it, basically. Uh, there's nothing really wrong with this issue. Uh, that'll take us up to The Flash, issue 68. Mark Wade writing with Greg LaRocque on the art. This is the second part of the two-parter. This is, of course, picking up with Flash arriving in the future with Abracadabra. And this was a really interesting direction for this story to take, I thought. Uh, it's uh, it's different than what you might have expected. In particular, I was not expecting the cyberpunk horror element of this AI that's controlling society. And I certainly wasn't expecting the twist that in the future, well, Abracadabra's clearly a crazy man who needs to be locked up for a lot of various reasons. His intentions in the future were actually kind of noble and one that Flash ends up agreeing with. Uh, and Wally ultimately ends up helping kind of like cripple the 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 power that's in the regime, which is that this uh, this what the, the clockworks, which it tells everyone what to do at all times. It's got, it was giving me sort of equilibrium vibes. Yeah, the, the exact phrase is the clockworks dictates the speed and timing of each citizen's various activities. Yeah, there's no free will, there's no individualism, and we find out that that's why they banished them to the past, but. Before they banished him, he did inspire enough people that there's like this, you know, gradual build of groups of, fa- you know, people rising around. Um, but I thought the images of this AI face, like talking to Wally, were were actually like kind of like proper science fiction horror looking. They really felt like something I would expect to see in. Yeah, I, I'm uh, right there with you. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of demonic. Yeah, uh, but in a purely techno way. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's real good. really cool. I, I really wish this had an extra issue to flash out this stuff in the, in the future. Yeah, it's a bit jam packed. Because when I because I, I was I read this a little bit ago and I was skimming it last night because I knew we were recording. And as I was as I was starting the issue, I was like, you know, I think I've forgotten most of this issue. And as I was reading the first chunk of it when we first arrived, I was like, yeah, I don't remember any of this. But as soon as it got to the face, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember the rest of it now because that's what the rest because the, the the memorable part of the issue is everything it introduces after that point. The first little chunk of it, uh, where he's just sort of in awe of people darting around and what's going on and like all of that is like, oh yeah, that's so forgettable once you actually read the rest of it. And it's not that there's anything wrong with it, it's just that there's so much jam-packed out of the issue that your mind just lingers, you know, it attaches itself to the, the core idea that it introduces. Um, yeah, and- it's, it's only actually about four or five pages before we get to the face in general and then another couple till like, you know, the what its purpose and plan is. Yeah, uh, but like I say, I was, tr- I was struggling to remember, but as soon as I got to that page, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> that's right, I, I know exactly where the rest of this is now. Um, so, no, it was interesting, Barry having to kind of side with Abracadabra, and, you know, they were going to send them back happily, but then he starts to interfere with their plans, it's like, well, is he going to have trouble going back? Because I didn't know it was a two-parter, I thought this might be a six-issue arc for all I knew, that's, that's going to be taking time. And, like... If there's anything, like, I actually really like the pages, but if there's anything, like, at one point, Wally sort of questions, like, you know, do I have a right to, like, interfere with, like, this society when I've only been here for, like, five minutes? And, you know, do, do I really have a right to, like, completely tumble that all down? And then, and then it's just, like, a, a panel later is like, eh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it's not because you, you, you're saying more of a shrug it was more of a smirk with a yeah like yeah 
I have yeah, that right. right. Yeah. And then he... Yeah, he goes, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm like, eh, I don't know about this. But again, yeah. that feels like if, if you built up to this sort of, like, just how bad it was, and obviously we've seen it's pretty bad, but he's been there, like, 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. Something of that magnitude. I think the fact that it addresses that it's such a, a momentous event that he's doing, that it feels quick. Uh, that's that's the weird thing. I see if they'd never had him address it, I would never even really give it much thought and just kind of went along with it as being kind of a, a quick story. But the fact that he actually points it out in his duration then goes, yeah, I'll just do it. <laughs> I'll just do it anyway. Actually makes me feel a bit weirder. <laughs> like, okay, all right, well. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's just like where we are in characterization with him now, if it's not evolved enough and Wade's going to develop that over the time, or if it's just a case of the story's a bit rushed and we just have to kind of accept the little blip on the... Because otherwise, I had a lot of fun reading this because it was like, oh, this is a really interesting concept. And uh, we have this really sad thing where Abracadabra finally gets to be the hero that he thinks he is. The, the, he's, he's got captivating his audience of his rebels in front of society. But, but uh, Wally says to basically says, well, I can't leave you here, though, because you're still a criminal who's tried to kill people multiple times. Like You still have to sort of answer for those crimes. And brings it back. And we end with this really dour ending with Abracadabra in the cells of... Uh, I don't even catch what prison it was. I, I mean, I think in my head I assume Belle Reeve, but I don't think it actually was Belle Reeve. Um... Could have been Iron House. It just says maximum security. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, but, yeah I don't think it actually says. But he's, he's in these bars and he's like begging the guards to like pay attention to his trick that he's doing with cards or whatever. And they just walk away and he just, he, he just, he sits there. It's just so depressing and sad. And Wally's, you know, narration just kind of ends with like a, you know, the show must come to an end or something like that. <laughs> and it's just, oh, that's... Oh, <laughs> you're making me feel sympathy here for Abracadabra and just last issue he tried to like kill an entire crowd full of people to prove that he could bring them back to life which he would not have been able to do May let I point yeah, out yeah and again that was already quite interesting because it made him marginally less evil than him just trying to kill a room full of people because he yeah, actually bring them back yeah it, it made him incredibly misguided even if you know obviously <laughs> like still dangerous yeah uh, but he didn't think he was actually causing any lasting harm yeah yeah i'm just i'm looking at some of the pages again i, I love that 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 techno face for clockworks i love um but i mean the art's pretty good uh you got la rock back uh on the art again you know again as it was last yeah. issue admittedly but um yeah it's been very he, consistent i'm kind of digging abracadabra's like phantom the opera s mask that he's got to cover up his scars i get it Kind I of fits it. him. It's, uh, it's kind of unique. I think I think it fits his uh, his personality, his whole you know, his whole shtick is is held by that uh, type of mask. Mm -hmm. Um, I also kind of like that the machine that uh, Barry or I keep, saying, I keep almost saying Barry Wally has to uh, destroy when he's doing. I mean, even though we uh, you know we complained that his attitude there is a little bit weird. Uh, I kind of like this idea that it's a machine that he can't comprehend. It's not gears, it's not circuits, it's like weird floating orbs that are going around in a circle. So it resembles a clock in that it's circular to a point, but that's about it. Like, other than that, it's like it's not something we would recognize as a device. It's, you know, I guess science fiction is the best way of putting it, but um, I think the other subtle touch here is that it's like all very green on a dark black sort of space background, which really separates 
the visual from every other page of the book. You know, when he goes in there, even though there's not, I mean, in another book, this wouldn't feel that weird. If, if this was a Green Lantern book, this would look like any other page. But because it's in the Flash comic where every other page has been his red suit on basically pastel shades of various colors in the backgrounds, yeah. um, the, the only exception would be, I think, the eyes of the, the face, the, the clockwork face were green as well, which, you know, nicely connects it to, uh, oh, no, they weren't, they were purple. Never mind. Uh, I was just remembering that wrong. Uh, but you know, like I, I, I like that. I, it makes him feel like it, it makes him feel like, like he steps into something else, like something different. It looks like it's out of like a Silver Surfer comic. Yeah, it is. It feels so different to the rest of the book that it genuinely feels like he stepped into some sort of chamber that is otherworldly. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's really effective. So uh, that's cool. Uh, so yeah, when they come back, they actually end up falling from where they were, which was on top of the bridge. Uh, the arch, as we learned last last episode, we call it. Uh, and they land in the the garbage sh- uh, ship. Is that what you, I guess that's what you call it. I, I guess. I'll be honest. I've only ever. I don't think I've ever seen a, a ship carrying garbage outside of either a comic book or a cartoon. Because the only other example I can think of in my head is that episode of Batman the Animated Series where the Joker takes over the the garbage ship. Yeah, I'm sure they exist, but I've only ever seen. Yeah, I mean, them. it's got to be transported somehow. Yeah, I, but I've only ever seen it in the context of superheroes. <laughs> For some reason, they love to land in them. They do, don't they? Oh, such a weird thing. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, nah, solid issue. Uh, maybe a little bit rushed. Could have used some more time, uh, and that one weird character beat, <laughs> I suppose, but. Yeah, uh, there's a lot to like in there. Not bad. Yeah, I'll say there's a lot to like in there. Uh, what are you giving it? Uh, I'm going to give it a six point five. I want to give it the seven, but I think it's just a little too jam packed, and that character beat did kind of throw it off a bit. I guess we're flipping here because I'm going with a seven for this. Uh, yeah, I-, I love the techno cyberpunk stuff. I wish that got mm. more time to really sort of. I guess it's because it's not something I expect in a flash comic, as well as what really made it just you know stand out. I get that. It was very, very striking. Uh, I did like that stuff a lot. Yeah. Uh, so we'll move on then to Birds of Prey, Black Canary, Batgirl issue one. Chuck Dixon writing with Greg Land on art. Oh. Uh, although nineties Greg Land is not as egregious as uh, like later on Greg Land. He was still trying, is what you're saying. It, it, it looks like a nineties comic book artist as opposed to Greg Land. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's definitely the odd panel here or there, but it's not like now where you can't go two panels without. Going. Yeah, I mean, there's actually a couple of panels in here that I quite like. Uh, dare I say? Um, but yeah, yeah. that's fair. So there's a there's a weird. This is kind of a weird story. Weird. Like, okay, what's going on here? Something's fishy is happening, because it's Batgirl and Black Canary, as in Barbara as Batgirl, uh, teaming up against uh, various characters. Uh, they're they're hunting down the Mad Hatter. Uh, so again, this is about a forty page uh, issue. And they are hunting the Mad Hatter. They they get to him, do a bit of spying. They get to Arkham, and that's kind of the first half of the book, basically. Uh, but there's a lot of character stuff sort of sprinkled in there, where Dinah keeps trying to ask her questions, and Babs is kind of dodging and doesn't want to talk about anything. And 
you know, it's, it's kind of her fishing for information, which is kind of ultimately the point, because uh, later on we find out that this is, of course, a, you know, in her head, this isn't real, and it's actually someone with superpowers trying to get her to reveal where the Batman is, where, you know, where, where the Batcave is specifically. Yeah. Uh, but there's a couple. I mean, it is notable the the panel that I remember liking a lot are the ones where they're uh, they're sneaking in the building uh, before they they track you know before they go to Arkham, and it's like it's just a dark panel with a uh, Barbara holding a torch, uh, and they're still. I, I, I really like the way it lights up her, the yellow on her gauntlets. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. Maybe that's more of a coloring thing than it is a Greg Land thing, admittedly. But <laughs> uh, it, it could well be. I don't know who did the colors on this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why the credits page is in this. It's very possible. But they've tried to do Mad Hatter and they've got Jeremiah Arkham. Uh, obviously, Babs kind of freaks out when the Joker's mentioned. She has like this weird flashback. You know, it's this haphazard page with all these things happening. Uh, re- referencing the killing like joke. That's uh, all right, man. Yeah. Uh, it's just fine. I think it feels suitably um, messy in, in a good way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is, is this, this fragmented memory coming through? Uh, so it it doesn't feel natural like the way things are laid out, but in a in a way that I like. Yeah, of course, they get to Arkham, and Mad Hatter's got all the other villains to help him. We don't see the Joker yet, and Dinah just kind of disappears here. Interestingly, which makes sense given the context of there's someone else pretending to be her in her head. But uh, eventually, Joker comes out, and they've got her strapped to a chair. And this is uh, you know she gets proper flashbacks here. Uh, we see Bay and we see Zaz. There's an excuse for them to leave, and that's when Dinah shows back up. And this is one of these things where, as as you're reading this, you might think it's weird. Why did Dinah just disappear and now she's showing back up? It feels kind of suspicious. Well, that's because it is. <laughs> does, does she really just disappear? Yeah, she's just kind of there in one panel, and then when Babs is fighting the the villains, she's just not there. Are we looking? So Dinah kicks the guy through the thing. Babs follows him down. And you got a panel of Babs diving down with, uh, you know, being tackled down. Oh, you're you're much taller than I am. I'm I'm at Arkham. Oh, are you on the next fight? Okay, so I thought you were on this fight here. No, 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 no. Arkham. It's just, it's oh, a... okay, I'm with you now. Let me see all the super villains at Arkham. Uh, you see, Dinah's Dina, right, with yeah. Babs at the top of that page. Then the next page, Babs is just on her own fighting, and then it's yeah, not until yeah. after all the villains have left that Dinah just shows up asking questions. Uh, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's borderline addressed in that. Um, she does shout for for Canary to just run and, and get out of there. So there is like uh, just enough to excuse why she's alone. Mm. Yeah. I think when you go back and look at it again, though, it, it all adds up with what's going on. Oh, oh absolutely. It does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Babs gets so desperate that she reveals where the Batcave is. Although, of course, the twist later is that she actually didn't. She gave a fake place just in case because she's not an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this is where we're introduced to Spellbinder. Uh, with a very ridiculous haircut. I'm into it. You're into a ridiculous into haircut. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's so nineties. It's literally it's what whole it, design. It's half buzz cut and half like long hair and a ponytail. This is this is a very anime design. That's why I hate it. Then does it? Does it? Yeah, mm. I, I don't know. Just you know, the, the all the pink, uh, you know, with the, the hair long like that. Yeah, it, it's it's a very anime design. So Babs is in, it's you know t- tied to a chair. I, I love that she's in, just in a tracksuit. <laughs> it's just such a different visual to like her as Batgirl for the rest of the issue. Yeah. Uh, and she's left on her own as they go off to get to the Batcave. But of course they find nothing there. So Babs is left on her own. She's trying to like, rock herself out the chair. She's trying to you know get to help, maybe call someone. Uh, but 
you know, a villain comes back and she has to try and take her on, despite the fact that she's, uh, you know, on her own. And she uses a fire extinguisher, she tries to use some sneaky tactics, she whacks her over the head a bunch of times, and she does actually, eventually, whack her in the head. Uh, and then a couple of cops show up, um, and they're like, <laughs> like, why do we always get the weird ones? Because they, they find basically the villain just sort of tied up with her... Because her powers come from her eyes, so so Babs is kind of bandaged all over her head to make sure that she can't use her powers when the cops get there. Yeah, uh, which is smart. smart. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. Makes sense. Uh, and she calls Dinah, who's on a mission somewhere, um, and Babs is like, "Yeah, when you get back, we should talk. You know, I got, got stuff to do." Uh, but she picks up that because that that little Batgirl doll that she's had has been there through most of these one shots in many series. Uh, it's been kind of oh, just. Absolutely. Uh, so it's a nice little touch that she picks that up and it's kind of this little thing uh, but the big the big, real big deal of this issue though is the tease uh, that you know she was working for someone the villain was working for someone and at the end we see who it is the final page reveals and th- this very much feels like okay they, they were setting up an ongoing here because they're, they're, they're teasing kind of the first big bad uh, and it's Blockbuster uh, from Nightwing yeah. uh uh, Desmond himself he's got his big head and he turns around and he's like I want Oracle to be eliminated he's like he's pissed at Oracle uh, and that's where we end uh, you know, and to be honest, as a trade, uh, which is what I read this batch of issues as, that'll eventually change when the trades run out, and I just have to switch to singles. But it actually works as a really good ending to the first trade, even though this has been kind of a weird collection of like one shots and minis, and it's it's not been like com- completely serialized, even though there has mm. been those threads. Uh, it does work as a good cliffhanger in that sense. It does, yeah. For the record, DC Universe is uh, suggesting that I go read Birds of Prey Ravens next. Or Birds of Prey The Ravens as a one-shot. Uh, maybe, maybe Volume 2 starts... You know I'll download Volume 2 as we're talking here, and I'll see if that's what it starts with. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Uh, I'm sure it's it's still Chuck Dixon, so it's somewhere in, in this run eventually. And it was in 98, so... Uh, you know, given, and given that this one that we've just read was ninety-seven, uh, it can't be that far off. I'm looking. I'm looking. What do you think uh, of the issue, though? What are your thoughts? Um, I thought it was all right. I thought that um, it goes far too long, um, teasing that something's going on before it actually gets to anything. Wait, so you're telling me that once again, it's just about fifteen pages too long? <laughs> I am. There's there's a thing with these issues where. Uh, and for different reasons, though. Like last uh, this time, I think that they start teasing that oh, this isn't real, and it becomes so clear that it's not real very quickly. Because oh, obviously, it's it's Batgirl for a start. Um, but even aside from that, there's actual other things that it's actively teasing within the first like five or six pages. And I feel like it goes a good twenty twenty five pages before it actually gets to any meat with that stuff. And it's just it's just too long. Um, for that. I, it's, it's a weird one because I feel like if you wanted to actually not have it be obvious and just subtly tease it, then you wouldn't put her as Batgirl because that tells us right away something's off because okay right, she's walking around as Batgirl, something as strange is going on from the start. If if she'd still been Oracle and it was like she was being tortured as Oracle to eventually give up information, it might have been more of like a, a hard sell but Clearly, the decision was made here to not do that. The decision was made to no, no. We wanted, and I guess it's because they wanted to have her be Batgirl with with you know Black Canary working as a team, like actually on boots on the ground, which is something they can't do. So, I, I guess that was the appeal of the whole issue, anyway. And it, what's frustrating me is like, okay, so you that big Joker page is fourteen pages in, out of almost forty. Yet there's another good, I don't know, 
15 pages after that before we actually get to uh yeah there's another 15 pages before we actually get to okay yeah this is what's happening it feels like such a long time between these teases and actually getting any sort of payoff yeah, I think it's mostly a middle problem because I think once it's revealed what's going on, uh, that to the end is pretty good. I think this opening chunk is pretty good, partly because it does it with very little dialogue. There's a lot of just sort of nice silent panels of them sneaking around and doing stuff, and I really enjoyed that. It's the middle where they're kind of figuring out what Mad Hatter's doing and deciding to go to Arkham that's just a little bit, feels a bit long in the tooth, I guess. Yeah, I think that's where my problem lies ultimately. And it's not that it's that bad, but it. I do, I do feel like a bit of it is an excuse to, hey, draw all these villains, right? Comics are guilty of that a lot, especially Bat books, because they love to get all the villains. Like, I mean, this is pre-Hush, but I feel like ever since Hush especially, like every writer wants to think of a reason to give the artist a chance to draw every single goddamn and, major and villain. I think Hush is maybe one of the only instances I can think of where they're very open about it, where... Yeah, you know, Loeb said you know, to Jim Lee, it's like, hey, so you know, what, which villains do you want to draw? And it was like, all of them. He's like, "All right then, I'll sort you out." <laughs> I don't remember Kate Man being in that 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 story, so I, I quite clearly they, they did not accomplish that. Thank you very much. Well, I mean, they made a bloody good effort, at it, though, didn't they? <laughs> all right, but big just first alone. There was like five hundred meg, so and my iPad doesn't download that quick over Comicsology. It's throttled. Yeah, Comicsology is really slow for downloads for me as well. Alright, that's fine. Tell we're we're looking here. Right, I originally collected the single issues 1 to 11 in Birds of Prey Ravens number one. So it's in this trade, for sure. So it is in this trade. So it's whether or not it's first or if it's later on. Uh, I don't think it's first because they asked us to cover issue one. So. Okay. It, yeah, if I, I think I remember reading this now. I, I think it takes like, maybe like something between like three and four, four and five, something in there. You'll just have to let me know yeah. when we get there then. Uh, but yeah, we're, start, we're starting on issue one next then, just to confirm then. Uh, yeah. Issue one is next. Uh, what are you reading this issue then? Uh, I think I'll give it a a six point five again. Um, I say just a little bit long, but a lot of nice ideas, and uh, I, I think the stuff, even though it's not real, between you know uh, uh, Babs and Dinah, uh, works really well in her head. Yeah, uh, plus I think I like that it plays off kind of their like sort of mistrust or anger with each other that they've i mean they kind of solved it last issue but it kind of plays off some of those threads that have been there uh which again is yeah. another hint that it's not quite right there is a little bit of that that i'm feeling kind of going around in these one shots in that yeah it's like uh, yeah we're kind of just killing time now almost and i'm ready just to get into the main book yeah now i'll agree with the 6.5 i think uh you know it's good enough but like yeah i'm excited to get into sort of regular you know comics that are regular length but can tell more interesting stories because they're actually you know four parts six parts whatever so all right uh that'll take us on to gsa issue eight jeff johns and david goyer writing with stephen sadowski on the art uh this is the second part of the 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 obsidian at least at least three part at least three part i'm pretty sure as i I don't think i say longer than three parts though because that wildcat issue is in the single digits. I know it is. I, I, I wouldn't have mentioned it, but you were so adamant last time. Wait a minute. Was two issues. This is a show. It can't be in the single digits because issue nine has to be the end of this. So, okay. It's definitely in the first trade, right? That Wildcat issue is in the first goddamn trade. I know it is. That that I will agree with you on. It is absolutely in the first trade. And there's definitely an arc after it. So, it's definitely between this arc and the next arc. It's just a question of how many issues are left in this arc. 
I think it's only How one. How many though. issues? This, this book kind of goes up to twelve, right? Nah, it was like fifteen, sixteen. The first that this. Oh, uh, is it first that trade, Yeah. Jesus. Okay. So yeah, it's a longer trade. <laughs> so uh, it could be a while. Yeah. This this could be a full four, four or five issue arc. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. The fact the fact that I was so sure it was only a two part last time makes me think. Okay, it's, it's okay. I was off by a one, but it's definitely a shorter arc. I mean, I, I I agree. That's much more likely, but that's my thinking anyway. Uh, so yeah, so Midnight, Doctor Midnight, uh, is is on the scene, and uh, Black <laughs> Black Canary's uh narration here as he's like you know helping her up and whatever. Uh, steady voice, oh sorry, deep voice, steady hands. This guy's more confident than God. That's a weird line, John's. <laughs> more confident than God's a weird line to me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, stuck out to me has been really cheesy. That said, though, um, Doctor Midnight's got a got another cheesy one liner later when he's jumping through the window. Later, he yells out, "Seems like someone should remember to honor thy father." <laughs> like, all right, all right, Midnight's a bit cheesy. Okay, I'm uh, into it though. Uh, oh yeah, I don't dislike him. I mean, if if he wants to be the cheesy guy that Dana's kind of got a crush on, I'm okay with it. Every team needs a cheesy guy. But luckily, he's got essentially like a a solar gun, <laughs> which gets rid of the shadow infection so he actually cures a couple of red shirt civilians who are who are attacking them and then he's got an owl a mechanical owl that's watching uh obsidian and the others to see what's going on uh, and we see there's a nice quick little recap page of showing essentially what's happening in the heads of all the people who have been infected and taken over so we see san jay uh, kendra uh, our man fate uh, all kind of like basically being consumed by their nightmares uh, you know, Jay's getting punched by the other flashies, uh, San's powers are out of control, Kendra's surrounded by blood. That one's a bit more vague, but clearly she's worried that she's violent, I guess, to add some that up. Yeah, it, it's, she's terrified of having killed someone, and there's an interesting thing there is, oh, has she actually killed someone already, or mm. is she just scared of it? Because um, it looks like it could be like this fear of a memory haunting her. And I love the idea that our man's is actually, because obviously he is a robot and he longs to be human in that classic sort of data type of way. I love that it's the, I can't remember what you call this, but the... Ketruvian man. Thank you, Ketruvian man. Um, but, you know, I love that it's that. That's what he's thinking about. It's him as that. is was pretty good. Yeah, and just like, I, I, I'm, uh, am I a man dreaming I'm a butterfly or a butterfly dreaming I'm a man? <laughs> so it sets up those five, what they're doing. Uh and then that's when the others come out of shad- the Shadowlands, which is uh, Alan and uh, Ted Rice, uh, the stepfather. And it's essentially, uh, you know, Alan tries to talk him down, says, you know, like, I know I wasn't there, but I didn't know you existed, Try- tries to kind of appeal to him. And it's just as he's about to kill his own father that uh, Midnight and Canary come crashing in, and that's when he yells he's a cheesy one, one-liner. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it's actually even worse than I said earlier. He says, you really need to remember the commandment. Honor thy father! <laughs> I love it. So, they come in, they actually manage to uh, blast one of them, I and mean, Atom Smasher gets obsidian, and he's really going to town, uh, but unfortunately he can't quite win. Uh, they're flying around, um, he does manage to blast Kendra. They get Kendra back. Uh, the rest are still with Obsidian, un- infected with the shadows, but they do get Kendra back. Um, and yeah. Obsidian decides to just turn around and kill Karkil. He's like, no, you thought you were pulling the strings? No, no, no. I am. The st-. But yeah, he has that really cheesy line, because he absorbs them. He absorbs them from within and then takes over. He says, uh, you only hope to rule the Shadowlands. I am the Shadowlands. <laughs> this is such classic john's dialogue isn't it yeah it really is 
uh i, I can just hear batman yelling i am the knight <laughs> as, as he yells <laughs> i am the shadowlands uh, obsidian's and, clearly a fan yeah the building goes boom and the others are like creeped out what's happening here and because we find out earlier uh, from uh from dr midnight that it's only contained to uh, Wisconsin right now, uh, only a few surrounding areas, but it's the darkness is starting to spread. It's spreading uh, throughout the state. And then, because we see this, so we see like a playground, like a, it's like a backyard, like a little sand pit. And it's like... Yeah, it's, uh, it's a different town in Wisconsin. Different and then town. someone else in Wisconsin. And then Illinois. And then Michigan. Yeah. And it's it's spreading from, you know, beyond the state. And we get these just apocalyptic looking panels of the shadow, the darkness spreading across. And then we eventually see this, just a eclipsed earth of like, a black earth with a purple glow around it and then mm-hmm. obsidian's just sort of laughing to himself and and Do- dr midnight's like now we pray and that's your cliffhanger because now yeah. the, the world's been consumed by the shadow darkness. I, I think those two pages or so of the the shadows kind of mm-hmm. spreading is so meticulously paced uh, i think that is so well done yeah it's ramping up because it's obviously I think what's beautiful about it is because you have two towns in the same state. So there's this sense of scale of like, okay, town to town and then the neighboring state and then a neighboring state to that, right? And it's kind of, you go expanding and then you turn the page and we see a city being consumed and then we see the entire country being consumed and then we see just like, you know, one part of the horizon line, you know, the hemisphere it being just consumed. Coming towards you. Yeah. yeah. And then you get the full planet. Uh, yeah. It's just very, like you say, it's very well paced. Yeah. So no, it's it's probably my favorite sequence in the book. Uh, I just I love that that sequence there, just the way it does it. It's so uh, such such good storytelling. I think it's his big money moment. Although the fights earlier on are pretty good too. I, I think the art's especially good with Alan Scott uh, with him because he's kind of emotionally trying to plead with his son. Uh, I thought the art there was quite good as well. Really got it yeah. was the, the emotion was really coming across on his face. Uh, but uh, no, our art was solid again. Uh, Sadowski's been doing good work um yeah uh yeah i don't have a whole lot to uh critique really or even compliment as much with this issue it's just a really solid middle chapter my interest is to midnight he's a little bit on the cheesy side but he's likable and uh it- I love that, you know, we don't really know too much about him we know he's actually a doctor um mm-hmm. you know you, you get that early on that um he, he knows what he's doing he's he's clearly well prepared but we don't know too much about him right now if this is your, your first time coming to this yeah yeah uh so no um and it feels like a fun way to introduce a new character uh by just throwing him into the middle of this big arc and then you know presumably he'll we'll, we'll sl- slow down afterwards and get to know him a bit it's really interesting to introduce someone in an arc which is should be so personal for someone else with mm. with, with alan right and just to go no you, you thought this was alan's arc you, you're wrong we're introducing someone else instead it's it's their their time to shine mm. it's uh it's pretty interesting yeah so that's solid. What are you giving it? Uh, I'm gonna give it an eight. Yeah, yeah, I can't argue with that. Eight out of ten uh, for me as well. Uh, so from eight to less than an eight, I can tell you that. <laughs> from late to bait. Honestly, the real task oh, of this is actually how much I can remember. From late to sedate. There we go. That's my. That's my segue. Uh, Adventures of Superman, issue 583, GM Demetri's writing with Mike S. Miller on the art. Uh, I I cannot wait for this story to be done. I cannot wait till we're done with him for Joker. And it's not even the worst issue, because the worst issue of this story is still definitely the second one, which was the previous issue of this, uh, this yes. series, uh, Adventures of Superman. That was the second issue we did uh, back after the first Superman issue. And... 
I think that was still the worst one by far. But nothing's come close to how bad that one was. But I'm so out of it. I I I don't care about Lois pretending to be with Joker, you know, or not pretending as the case may be. But I'm assuming she's double agent for the win <laughs> because it just makes it sense. Makes sense, right? Uh, I mean, I, I don't necessarily hate the idea that Joker is having Batman die and be resurrected every night so he can live the the horror and pain of dying every day. There's- the art is really frustrating on this bit because it's on the, the second page of the issue. There's a panel I despise followed by a panel I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got a panel of, of Superman flicking off the people behind him or the, you know, the, the, the cops. And it's this look of absolute disinterest on his face. I think it's terrible. And that next page of just the silhouette of him, you know, and, and then just the red pulling out the nail. And then, you know, him actually, you know, holding, you know, Bruce and, and crying. I think that sequence is fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I think the art's really rough in this issue as well. Because we said that back in the second, you know, the first, the, it's weird because it's, it's the last issue of this, but the second issue of the overall yeah, art. Yeah, it's, but... it's just frustrating to me that, that there's like two or three panels there that I really like, but there's one that I hate right before it. Yeah, yeah, no, him showing away the cops feels really out of character. Uh, you know, I like the idea of him, you know, heat visioning, a tombstone for Batman. Like, I actually like the idea of that page, even if the art's not completely up to snuff. Uh, I mean, the, the page of Batman coming out of the grave's all right. Nothing, yeah, that's pretty solid. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, and it sets up this idea of what Joker's done. Um, but of course, you know, we have, like you say, we have Superman kind of holding him. Uh, Superboy and Supergirl go to hell and meet Satan. Yeah. Who And hell's changed to go with Joker's world and Satan is just kind of like... Ah, I adapt. Actually, hold on. It was Satanus. That was the exact name he was using. Or... Yes. Satanus, as I was thinking in my head as I was reading that, because I thought it was funny. Of course you were. Uh, yes. But he's like, yeah, you can go back back to the real world. I mean, hell, it's just arguably worse than here. So yeah, go for it. That's the, more of a hell for you there. Uh but yes, but Batman does seem to be aware of what's going on, and I think that's by design. Joker wants him to be aware that the world's been messed with, because that'll make it more hurtful or more painful for him. Uh, so, but he does have Batman. Superman's got his Batman back, uh, which you know. Is... I think what frustrates me about this issue is that there are elements in here that I I like. Um, yeah, like like them doing. Okay, Batman's back, and there's that relationship matters. Yes. And uh, I like Joker going all uh, Roman in in visuals. You know, mm-hmm. like he he wears the, you know, the 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 robes and the the crown. There's a correct term for that. That I'm sure, completely whatever. forgetting. Visually, I like that. But anytime Joker starts monologuing, yeah, it is. It's hard to read. Those pages are the worst because they're just a pain to read. I will say my least favorite bit of art in the book might be it's as a panel of Superman. It's uh, after the the I, I don't know if the single issue has it, admittedly, but there's a na 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 Batman page. It's just like text on like a a design. No, it's kind of a filler page. No, uh, the trade's got that. Uh, but it's just when Superman and Batman are fighting a bunch of goons. Uh, there's a panel at the top of one of those pages of Superman. It's like that panel where he breaks the chains off and other. Like bots of art, but he's not doing that here. He's just got that pose. I hate how his proportions look and how his face looks. There's something. Really, it looks like an action figure. It looks like someone traced. Is, is is it the one where he's saying can't give up? No, he says against 
this nightmare he's created. Oh uh, yeah, go to the page before uh-huh. and look at the bottom. Uh, uh, Superman, it's I think that's worse. Honestly, yeah, that that probably is worse. But there's something about that one at the top of that page that it just it looks like an action figure in a way that doesn't. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it feels weird to me. Both are pretty bad. Uh, so that's that. But Superboy and Supergirl show up, and Batman just no sells and says, "Yeah, I'm not surprised." <laughs> Some very gratuitous ass shots of Harley. Uh, oh, is that is that coming up? It's uh right after that page with Superman that you were talking about. Oh, was it? Oh, I went past there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just there for two panels in a oh, row. Oh, you're right. Yeah. No reason. It's basically the over the shoulder shot, but with the ass instead. Uh, yeah. Yes, for no reason. Yes. Uh, oh my God, Superman's face when Joker's like standing above him with the uh, the Roman sort of uh, robon. What do you call yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, it really bad there. Oh, that is rough. His face is is pretty atrocious. Yeah. Basically, Joker brings has the Justice League show up, and he's like, oh, you know what? I'm kind of bored now, so I'm going to just destroy the universe and do whatever I want with it. And we see like giant bombs appear above buildings all over the world. Uh, one of which I think is Big Ben, but it looks a bit. Uh, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to destroy the universe." And um, we we ended the the book with him sitting with Queen Lois, who's looking a lot like a version of Punchline. Funnily enough, uh, I, I can see that. I, I guess that's just because obviously they've based both looks on a female version of the Joker, but still, uh, yeah. But they've turned the characters who were sort of fighting for good, which is Superman, Batman, Superboy, and Supergirl, into super pets. So there's a super dog, which is Superman. There's a super chimp, which is Superboy. There's a bat dog, which is obviously Batman. Uh, and I do actually like that there's actually a cowl on the bat dog. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, and there's a cat, which is Supergirl. Uh, so I actually like the designs of the pets. Uh, uh, the, the chimp with with with, uh, with Superboy's red gloves on. It's I kind of cool. I do too, and I'm kind of pissed that I want to have a fun issue next next week with the the pets as the main characters. But You're I'm definitely not going to. Yeah, I know I'm going to be disappointed. I'll, I'll be surprised if they're even pets for the whole issue. So, that kind of yeah. sucks. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll be good. But I, this arc has done nothing but let me down after that first issue. Uh, it's such a... Uh, I've, I've never known an arc to go downhill so fast. <laughs> I know. It just nosedived. Like, that first issue was really quite good. And then, like, it wasn't like the best thing ever, don't be wrong. No, it was, it was fun. Really solid. Yeah, it was solid fun. But and then, woof. Yeah, can't be, can't be having it. Uh, so that well, actually, rate it first. Were you rating it? Um, a four. Yeah. The side in it, I like. That's why it's as high as it is. There's ideas in it I like. I do kind of like the pets idea. I like what they're at least hinting at with the Batman-Superman relationship. But the Joker pages really suck. I'm basically trying to argue myself up to a 4.5. I don't think I'm doing it enough. 4 out of 10. Uh, I was trying to. I try my best. I try my best to be more positive, but I, just, I couldn't do it. Uh, so uh, that'll take us on to Batgirl issue 5. Brian Q. Miller writing with League Bet on the art. It's got to end on a high note, right? Yes, yes. And what a high note indeed. Uh, this is a wonderful issue uh, with, you know, Steph and Babs working together. Steph running into the burning building to take on some dude uh, who's not named appropriately. D- you know, Diesel. Yes, Diesel, yes. Oh, that's right. Yes. Did, she, she, makes she cracks a, jokes. 
She makes a wrestling Vin Diesel joke. Did she make a wrestling joke as well? She may have done. Hold on. Hold on. Da, da, da. Oh, I'll get this dialogue. I don't remember a wrestling joke, but it might have gone right over my head if there was one, so. Okay. okay. It must have been early. Hold on. Hold on. I went past where the Diesel joke probably was. Okay. There's, there's a, she makes a Vin Diesel joke like right after yeah. the panel after he's introduced. Now, I must have just been thinking of a wrestling joke myself because <laughs> there was a wrestler called Diesel in the 90s. Right, okay. Uh, uh, I want to say she, she called him Big Daddy Cool at one point, which was his like, sort of nickname, but what does I mean, matter? maybe she did. Uh, I don't know. Um, anyway. M- maybe Steph's into the wrestlings. The, the, the gist of this issue, the point of this issue is that she's there dealing with this and Batman and Robin show up and take over and she's told to stand aside. And... Obviously, she doesn't do it. She tries to help Damien and accidentally freezes him with like a freeze grenade. And but the whole point of this issue is that up until now we've we've not really had Batman and Robin be a factor yet, and now we're going to see how she integrates with Dick's Batman and Damien's Robin and into that sort of Batman family ecosystem, right? And Dick, Dick admitting that he he kind of enjoyed the quiet of Damien being frozen. Yes, yes, yes. Because uh, ba- Babs and Dick have this proper fight about it in the cave, and Dick tells her to get her stuff out of the cave. And you know, Dick comes off, comes across as a little bit of a well, a dick in this this scene. A little bit. And you know, you get what he's saying. He's, he's you know, this is him. He just became Batman. He's under pressure. He's struggling to sort of maintain the the persona and all the rest of it. I think what I liked about this though is the narration from Babs constantly like telling herself not to do what she's about to do because she knows that she's pushing a button. She knows that she's about to do this because it's her ex and not because she's actually really should be fighting this way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you know, it, it feels like okay, they're being kind of mean to each other, but it feels very realistic in a sort of ex couple kind of way. Mm. Um. But then we cut to Damien and Steph outside sitting. Steph refers to it as sitting at the kiddie table. Uh, and do you know what? I'd forgotten so many details about this, but one of the things that I remembered as soon as Damien said it was how much he wanted to stab Steph. And then, and then Alfred <laughs> yeah. saying, no Mr. Stephanie, rest assured I've taken all of Master Damien's knives for the evening. And then Damien <laughs> saying, all the ones you know about, Pennyworth. <laughs> I miss terrible little shit, Damien. <laughs> like, don't be wrong. I still like Damien now. It's, I think yeah. his, his his growth. Uh, I, it's it's a it's a no win situation because if he'd stayed as a little shit, I'd be complaining that he has never grown or evolved over the years, and that would be equally frustrating. But he's so fun to read. Yeah, I think you know. D- Dick's time as Batman felt cut short, maybe about half. I think he deserves another two years, maybe as Batman. And we could have had little shit Damien for two more years with that, and then moved on there. Like, like I think mean, it's 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 frustrating as well because you say that, but like the first like while on Batman and Robin under Tomasi, he was still a little shit. He was good. Like the first arc was all about him murdering dudes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's not like they hard refreshed it with the new Fifty Two and just made him better instantly. There was a natural growth. I've written out most of the new Fifty Two in my head, Karen, so I, I didn't re- recall that. Uh, that's fair, but that's how it happened. <laughs> uh, so Steph's in the library. She's taken on a job uh, at her, you know, mother's behest to help pay for the classes she's been forced to take, also by her mother. <laughs> uh, so she's delighted with that. But she's eavesdropping on this guy uh, who was introduced earlier. Actually, the the, the the building that was burning belonged to uh, this guy's dad, um, and. She's sort of eavesdropping, and it's really noticeable. It, but I love the humor added in here where someone's asking for help. She's like, hey, could you help me find where this book is? And Steph just turns around and goes, shh, and tells it to go away. That, that's the, the first one, she just she just says, shush. 
<laughs> which made me laugh a lot too it's the second time when she turns around and actually shushes her yeah and she actually she's decided uh, well not she wants to follow the guy out and she turns around and sees like the woman complaining to uh, assume the, the head librarian is like, oh probably i could take me leave yeah I'll, I'll go now yeah i'll go now uh and babs has been set up uh with a cop uh her dad set her up he's supposed to show up for their for their weekly lunch or whatever it is and he's not there they realize they've been set up and as soon as he says something that she can misinterpret uh she goes basically diving down his throat to rip him apart for it and he quite wisely says eh look clearly someone else has upset you and like this isn't about me so you know i'll, I'll talk yeah, to you again when you're ready to have a it's, um, it's it's not smooth what he says you know he, he says oh yo you've definitely got a leg up and then sees the wheelchair and he's like oh really stepped in it and that's obviously not smooth at all um but she definitely overreacts yeah uh it but yeah he's a bit of a doofus basically but he's he's also a smart doofus in that he realizes that her anger is not really directed at him it's about something else yeah. Uh, but, you know, so Steph tries to kind of make a date with this dude, or he makes a date with her, and uh, she's kind of all conflicted about it. Uh, but that's not the interesting part here. The interesting part here is as he's walking away, he says, oh yeah, there's some little omen, oh, sorry, yeah, some little omen fanboy giving you the stink eye. Now, obviously, before I turn the page, I know it's Damien, right? However, I was not prepared for the art on the next page to sell what he just said. Because when I turned the page and saw just the, the, the black on white tree with Damien underneath it staring like he is the devil child himself, I lost my shit. Oh, it's so good. I actually, I re- just to go back a touch, I just love the uh, Steph's inner narration during mm. that previous sequence with the guy that she's got a bit of a crush on. And she said, oh, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't that girl mind? She's like, well, she's not my girlfriend. And she's like, right, just say yes. Just you know, be natural. Don't be suspicious. She goes, I accept forehead slap. <laughs> but yeah, no, that Damien Page turn was great. Oh, and that is just the moment, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's basically just like following her to try and figure out who she is and she doesn't trust her, doesn't know her. He's drawing like Batman in a, a bad girl, baby, in the thing and just stabbing it with... Yeah. I uh, mean, either works. If you tell me he's drawing dick and just stabbing it, yeah. like that, that works. Yeah, yeah, he's he's drawn a yeah a bat person in the snow, and he's basically just stabbing it with a stick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think he's like drawing stakes into it, maybe. <clears throat> there's a there's a there's a joke here at the end actually, where you know he yeah, said he yeah he said he says something, and she says oh you don't understand he, he, he doesn't understand he says he doesn't understand something, and she says of course you understand you're ten, and it's a panel from behind her. Uh, and you can actually see his eye line, which is, when I read her line, you can actually look at his eyes. He is kind of looking in that direction. And she says, now stop looking at my chest. And Damien, being peak Damien, sort of scuffs and goes, what chest? Yeah. And I really hated the art in the next two two panels. No, no, I know, I know we go with this. Before we get there, though, I do love her just walking away and uttering the word hate. Not even I hate you or I hate him, just hate. Yeah, I like that moment. Yeah. No, um, I agree. I think that joke itself there is is kind of okay. No, no, that, that joke there itself's fine because it's, he's a ten year old and she's you know 
what 18 whatever right it's, it's, it's a fine joke i remember being that age i, I, I remember starting high school for, for context here in the uk you start high school at about 12 and there's girls you know 17 18 in the last couple of years right it's it's a little distracting right at that age you're right at that age we're really starting to notice these things right yeah. it makes sense uh what is weird though is that there's a whole joke here where his joke is basically to try and sort of like make himself feel less embarrassed that he got caught is to make a joke saying oh what chest you know you've got small boobs right the very next page Steph's grappling around the city and the art accents just how big her boobs are <laughs> they, they, now I've got two ways of, of reading this uh, which is frustrating one is just okay it's a mistake These because this is like the, the biggest and most obvious they've looked all issue like mm-hmm. by, a, by a landslide like, uh, Are you going uh, to suggest that Steph has felt self-conscious and padded her bra? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's a possibility. I mean, yeah, here's the thing. See, see if there was a line later sort of like paying that joke off, I'd be okay with it. But there isn't. It's just, it's just, a, it's just one of those panels where, hey, look at how good the bibs are. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm trying to write in an excuse and there is no excuse. It's weird. It's, it's, yeah, it, it really stuck out to me because it came right after that. If, if it hadn't come right after that, I'd have maybe noticed and went, oh, that's a bit more... Do you know what? No, I'm, I'm going to go out on, on, on a limb and say there is, because right after this, she gets changed really quickly into her civvies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's wearing, like, uh, whatever she could find for, from Babs, but it's like a, you know, a sexy-looking dress, right, yes. is, is the idea. And she's emphasizing it here as well. Like, So I'm wondering, maybe it was intentional? Because uh, in this scene, it makes sense. Because because oh, it's the guy she likes, right? Yeah, but she's not gotten dressed for it yet. Because because the whole thing is she, she, she didn't yeah. even know she was going to do this thing yet. Because she she's following him. She sees him alone in the diner, and she says, "Okay, and maybe I'll sort of accidentally bump into him." And it's at that point she says, "Hey, Babs, if you got anything in your closet, I can steal." And she steals this sort of slinky dress and a trench coat, which you know she cracks yeah, a joke right. about how that's you know what a stalker is supposed to wear. So it's actually perfect. Yeah. Uh, the trench coat, not the slinky dress. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, and yeah, okay. At that point, yeah, if she, if she's emphasizing the cleavage and all that, sure, like that makes some sense because she likes this guy and she's wearing this dress. Oh, it makes some sense. It doesn't make any sense to me that how that ties into her wearing her bat suit. No, before. no it doesn't. And I, I'm wondering because. It's not like that in the the rest of the issue. I'm sure I don't remember any panels of it sticking out that much early on in the issue when she's you know do, doing a fight and stuff. Well, I mean, with... to be honest, it's really it's really just that panel that's bad because like, the next page is mostly fine. It is, it is, and I don't like. Do we notice it more because of that joke just being made? Like, and that's why it well, really sticks out. The quick way to check this is just to go back and look at the earlier pages. That's true. Uh, I'm looking full page spread when she throws the batarangs at the start. Uh, I mean, it's not as emphasized. I... Yeah, you don't see them as much. It's uh, We're really emphasizing on these boobs here. I feel like we're being a parody of ourselves by even just paying this much attention to it. I know, but I, I really felt it here cause because of that joke being made and then it following up immediately with the, the single worst example of it in the issue. Yeah. Uh, I really felt it. Um... I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's just an unfortunate thing where that one panel has just, for whatever reason, like, got more sexy <laughs> than the rest of the yeah. art. Like, do, I- do you know why it is that frustrates me? If you go to the next page from that panel, and at the bottom, so you can see her there, and you can see the bat logo on her chest, and you can see how neatly it sits there. 
mm-hmm. and then go back and look at the panel and look how broken up it is by the way her boobs sit. That's what bothers me about that panel so much, I think, is that it, it just looks so unnatural with the way it folds. Yeah, yeah. It's suggesting that it's a fabric that actually... I mean, most clothes don't do this anyway, but certainly they've established in the rest of the book that the Bat logo sits perfectly straight across the top of her chest. Uh, but for some yeah. reason, in that one panel, it's dipping in to between her boobs as if there's a vacuum in there. Uh, yeah, I think that's what's so frustrating about it. Um... I mean, I, I don't think that's what's frustrating about it. The most frustrating is just how sleazy it is. I don't really care about the logistics of it. Oh, no, I, well, I mean, it's frustrating because it makes you notice it more. Oh, sure, I guess. Uh, but, I, mean, yeah. I don't really care why or how. I just, <laughs> like, it's yeah, the sleaziness. Uh, uh, and the fact that it comes right after that joke, which is a fine on its own, just uh, makes it really weird. Uh, yeah. But basically, as soon as she goes out to talk to the guy, uh, some crooks show up to grab him, to kidnap him, and Steph tries to fight back, and she's like, oh, yeah, super smart wearing the, the dress and the trench coat and someone shoots her in the head we the cliffhanger at the end of this issue is steph lying with blood pouring from her head now obviously severe, right i mean i expect we'll find out next issue it's a graze rather than a direct hit you know it's hard to tell you know it's just right but there the, is blood coming from her head yeah it's right at the tip of her head by the looks of it but you know it's one of those things where the way the blood falls it could be either way so, but that's the cliffhanger at the end of the issue. Uh, it's actually a really good issue. You know, the 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 one debate we had about one boob panel aside, uh, I thought they did a really good job of establishing where she sits in the overall Bat family right now. Uh, I love stuff with Oracle and her fighting with Dick, and, and I Damien is is a delight. Yeah, in fact, my one of my favorite issues of this entire run is going to be Steph and Damien together, and that comes much later. That's so good. But, like, as for their first meeting here, I loved it. You know, the I really want to stab you, all that stuff. Uh, th- this was exactly the sort of fun stuff from Steph that I expect. And then on top of that, you know, you've got her having someone, a crush on someone and kind of juggling that in her head. Like, I-, I think what Miller does so well is, like, every bit of narration that comes from either Steph or Babs really enhances the scene. It really enhances it in a way that makes things either dramatic or funny in ways that the dialogue alone wouldn't get there it's really utilizing all the tools in the trade like, there's a there's a great example where it's it's the only narration on the page where she first meets damien underneath the the omen tree um where he goes relax i'm in urban camouflage mode which <laughs> it's funny on its own and her narration is just uh-huh <laughs> yeah that's good that's good stuff uh you mentioned the head slap or the face palm whatever it was like earlier you face know palm, like yeah uh you know that that that's just moments like that just work so well. The, the the voice is really you know sparking at this point, and like you say, put put her sort of where she is in the context of the larger Bat family right now is also really smart. It makes it feel like a part of the shared world, which is part of the fun of of the you know the shared universe comic books. And Steph yeah. fit into it really nicely. And it was a very different Batgirl from Cass. And in fact, that was the other thing I love from Damien was him saying, "Oh, I was looking forward to meeting Cassandra." she seemed uh you know respectable or something you know he was like like yeah the silent assassin version of Batgirl yeah, I, you were I into bet she was, i bet she was your type yeah so no really good what are you giving it uh 8.5 if it wasn't for that if it wasn't for those boob that boob thing <laughs> it'd probably be the nine but i'll give you 8.5 uh all right i'd probably knock it down for the exact same reason to be honest yeah. Uh, all right. There you go. That is uh, all the books. Uh, at the end of the show, we'll pick our favorite or least favorite, and probably best art. We'll start with best art, I think. Um, so you got Garbet on Batgirl, I think, is a contender. I think Sadowski on GSA, very possibly. Uh, maybe La Rock on Flash, a push. Um, what are you feeling? Uh, 
probably Garbet, to be honest. One panel aside, but you know that that Omen Damien mm-hmm. is, is fantastic. And you know we, we've said for you know five weeks now how much we like Garbet, so this isn't really a surprise. Yeah, I'm going to have to be bored and say Garbet as well. Um, I feel like we're just going to put the same days. Worst book of the week is obviously Adventures of Superman. <laughs> yeah, five, eight, I think three. best is going to be Batgirl. Yeah, best it's... is going to be Batgirl. Um, as what it is. Uh, but hey, so there you go. That's previously in the multiverse. And we can actually reveal what won the Patreon vote because obviously we need a book to replace uh, Emperor Joker when that's done. So the book replacing that will be Shazam, The New Beginning, which is a fairly short run. So we'll have another vote not too long after that as well. But that'll be what replaces it in that slot. Uh, that is a shorter three or four issue uh, book. I mean, I think there are longer issues, admittedly, but it's, it'll only be three or four episodes worth of. Uh, of uh, stuff mm. to talk about so uh but that's cool uh, i'm excited to do some standalone shazam stuff uh having not read a lot of the stuff that isn't jeff johns written so that'll be kind of cool uh you can of course support us on patreon.com slash tv if you want to uh, for as little as a dollar per month five dollar tier of course gets you all the multiverse episodes uh, a day early that's both comics previously and in the time of quarantine quarantine in the multiverse uh you get all those a day early plus you get to vote on these votes whenever they pop up for previously obviously batgirl when that's done will be replaced with something by vote as well uh, obviously we're quite a bit away from that because there's a good 24 issue run but uh worth keeping that in mind for when these things will pop up uh so yeah support us on patreon uh you can also of course like and subscribe ding the bell on youtube for notifications all these things do matter and more people find us on youtube as does of course uh, rating and reviewing on on apple podcasts or wherever you get podcasts from uh, those things do help more people find us uh, so please do any of those things check out the content we have like like obviously I mean the, the chances of people watching this and not knowing about comics from the multiverse first are fairly slim but yes if you want to hear us talk about new DC comic books when they come back uh, you can find comics from the multiverse all 200 episodes of it uh, so far soon it be 201 soon yeah just uh, one more episode of quarantine this weekend and then, yes, and then we, we're back in business we have a uh, we're back in minor business. We have a small selection well, of books per week. <laughs> there are books, so it counts. Yes. Uh, so yeah, but that's us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics, guys. And remember to always keep the knives away from Damien Wayne.